You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 383. In this episode, I talk to Bobby Klink about how to turn cold leads into raving fans through email marketing. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today, I speak with Bobby Klink, a Harvard Law graduate, online entrepreneur. He helps other online entrepreneurs set up the legal foundations of their businesses and create a connection with their audience through relationship-based marketing. In this episode, we talk about how to turn cold leads into raving fans through email marketing. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to join The Next Normal, a free five-day course happening from June 15th to June 19th. I've decided to offer you this course instead of the self-made summit that was supposed to happen at the same time in Reykjavik, Iceland, and I obviously had to postpone to next year. But I am doing a course for you instead of a virtual summit, which was my original idea. But actually, you're getting both. You're getting two for one. You're getting a course, a five-day course with me, where you will implement the online strategies you need to prepare your business for the next normal and long-term success. At the same time, all the speakers from the Selfmade Summit, which now will be in 2021, have agreed to come on a panel throughout these five days. And we have some extra guests too. Over five days, there are 15 speakers that will share with you what they have been doing to not just survive, but thrive throughout this crisis and what they're doing to adjust to the next normal. At the same time, you will be going through a course on how to set your business up for success. Sounds like a great idea. We absolutely believe so, my team and I. So we are excited to invite you to the next normal. You'll find the link to join in the show notes, sigrun.com forward slash 383, or go directly to the website, sigrun.com forward slash next normal. I hope to see you inside the new course starting June 15th. I am so excited to be here with Bobby Klink. And we have been in the same circles for a long time, but we haven't actually met face-to-face until now on Zoom doing the recording. So welcome on the show, Bobby. Well, thank you for having me. You know, we we in the same circles for always weird when, when that happens to finally actually connect with people face to face. And and it, you know, it's one of those things, parts of the interesting thing about being an online entrepreneur these days is we're in different continents, but we travel in the same circles and it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it feels like you should know the person and you're like, oh. We hadn't actually met. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, you look like that. <laughs> yeah, I have that happen to me quite often. And I'm like, Ooh, what just happened? <laughs> That's not what I expected 
of that person for, for some reason or another. Yeah. So, yeah, since we are in the similar circles, like I have seen how you kind of went from, shall we say, a struggling entrepreneur, online entrepreneur, to, to having quite some success as a lawyer, as an entrepreneur, which is unusual, and then moving a little bit more into the business and marketing side. And I found that it's a fascinating journey because a lot of people find that very hard. So before we dive into the topic of email marketing and how we should properly do our newsletters, I would love to hear how your version of the story you hit the nail on the head there. I was a struggling entrepreneur as a lawyer for, for a while. I started, first I started doing this online marketing thing actually as a way to build my law firm practice because I'm a licensed lawyer. I've been a lawyer since 2002. And I was trying to build my legal practice thinking, ooh, I can find a way that I don't have to go schmooze with other lawyers. This is going to be a really good way to actually get clients. And so, so I did that for a while, but I wasn't really happy. And so I decided to make a pivot to be in the online space. And I made at the outset, what I would call kind of, I think probably the classic entrepreneurial mistake. I kind of said to myself, I don't really need to talk to them. I don't really need to do that. I can just create a course because I already know what they need. And I did that. And that was a complete and total flop. And me being me, I went all in on it. I spent probably around $25,000 between you know buying the software I needed, my Facebook ads, all of that stuff. And I made exactly one sale. And she asked for a refund on day 29 of a 30-day, no questions asked refund policy without ever having even looked at the course. And so that was my introduction to entrepreneurship. And that was in 2017. And, and at the end of 2017, I literally was about to give up. I was about to just say, no, forget this. I'm going to go back and be a lawyer. But I decided to give it another try. And part of the story is I also chose giving as my word of the year for 2018. And so I just started giving of myself and being a nice guy. And in the process, I doubled down and actually took the time to get to know online entrepreneurs because I serve pretty much me and everybody else who's in this online space. And I was like, let me try to understand them because candidly, I didn't understand a lot of the concerns. I didn't understand what they were thinking, what the fears were. And so I took the time to do that. And then I had some good luck at the same time, which was this, this law called GDPR, which came about, which required a lot of online entrepreneurs to think about the legal stuff. And about that time, I was getting on the radar of Amy Porterfield. And so she had me on her podcast. That podcast episode came out literally the day before my first kind of relaunch. And I had this huge success. So I did that. But then what happened was after building that legal side business, selling legal templates and just giving all the training for free, people started to, to say, well, how are you actually getting people to be like your raving fan when you're selling legal stuff? And I said, well, I don't know. And, and I thought about it and I came up with kind of a way to talk about what I was doing, which is different than most people, I think, and, and how I was doing it as well, I like to say, I, I kind of view it almost like a shop owner in a small town back in the 1970s. I get to know my, my people. I know most of the people who bought from me, I mean, not personally, but I, I, I have them in my mind. And I take a high touch approach and I found a way to make it scalable. And by doing that, people have really gotten this sense where people fall in love with me. And, and it's weird. People either love me or they hate me. And that's fine. I don't mind. I mean, and I say they hate me. They don't hate me, but they don't like me. And that's perfect because 
I would rather have, you know, a smaller group of raving fans than a bigger group of people who are kind of like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. And then you, uh, you basically took this topic of DDPR and made that your entry. I actually, I think you were not the only lawyer. I saw a couple of others also in Europe. There were people who spotted the opportunity and say, okay, here are a lot of confused online entrepreneurs. I know something about it, or maybe I don't know, know enough, but I can actually find out more about this topic. And then I can, you know, share what I think. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is like, I didn't set out to do that. What happened was people were asking me a lot of questions about it. And so what I wanted to do is I, I went to try to find a training that I could send people to, that I could just say, here, go watch this. It'll teach you. And candidly, I would walk out of these trainings. And even as a lawyer, I would be so confused. If I can't figure it out, how in the world are other people going to figure it out? So I dove in, I'm trying to remember, I think the law is like 270 pages long or something, but I went and I dove into it. And again, this is where things kind of dovetailed with and why I mentioned that I had adopted giving as my word of the year for 2018, because a lot of lawyers and privacy people were trying to exploit it as an opportunity to scare people and to say, you know, you got to buy this checklist from me and all this. I, on the other hand, I put together a three-part training that was free and I was doing it in my Facebook group. And then that's like, Amy heard about that, which is why then she has me on her podcast because she's like, wait, you're giving this away for free. And like I said, it was kind of in her communities and all that. And so it was this thing that I spotted it. There was a need. I dealt with it. I mean, yes, I sold people my privacy policy at the time. Now I give that away for free. But that kind of was my, my rise. And I like to say that, that GDPR and will keep lawyers like me in business forever. Because the funny thing is, I mean, although the law GDPR requires us to be clear in explaining things, the GDPR itself is not clear, which no, makes no sense. No, it's not. And it's interesting, you know, because you are my podcast now, we do not agree on the interpretation. <laughs> right. And yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw what a lot of lawyers were telling my clients and I said, no, 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 no. Uh, here's how I, as a business owner, CEO with decades of experience running businesses and how I deal with the law and explaining to people that law is not black and white because the people don't know that. And I said, here's how a business owner deals with it. You will never know if you're 100% right or 100% wrong, unless you baby kill your business and stop doing business. Uh, so yeah, we can have difference of opinions and we can still be friends. <laughs> it's one of the interesting things about the law, because one of the things that I didn't like it about the fear mongering was a lot of people were saying, like acting like, if you don't get this right, if you don't pay me thousands of dollars, you could be in deep trouble. And I always said, look, there are no GDPR police coming after us small-time entrepreneurs. Let's be honest. So do your best. And, and that's what I was telling people. And, you know, there are, they're honest, like I disagree with some of the other American lawyers about what is and what is not allowed and what the best practice is and that. And we all have different views and that's fine. But I now, I come at it largely from the perspective of a business owner first now and a lawyer second. Yeah. And what did we have? This was a little bit like the 2000, <laughs> you know, everyone was scared in 1999 that 2000 was coming, old computer systems would broke down. And I feel DDPR is pretty much the same. Like, yes, if you're Facebook and Google, you should be worried. You should be really worried. But, you know, small business. Anyway, we didn't want to do the whole episode <laughs> about GDPR. So basically, you uh, figure out online business, and they started to work for you. You got this Oprah moment, like we call it, like when you got on a famous podcast, that was an Oprah moment. But then you were able to, to use that to 
you you were selling templates though at some point. Yeah. So at the time, like back at the GDPR days, what I was selling was I called it a membership, but really it was kind of a combination of templates and training. And so that's what I was doing at first. I had kind of a core set at that time. I think it was like eight legal templates that people got when they joined the membership and also legal training. So I had this success, but then I, I tried doing like weekly webinars after that and doing the traditional online entrepreneur way of doing it. And the problem was, you know, unless you have, I don't even know how much you have to have, but unless you're willing to spend probably $10,000 these days in ads per week, doing weekly webinars is going to be tough in the entrepreneurship space. I know, I stopped. <laughs> I stopped too. Yeah. I would do these webinars and I would have like three people show up live. Now I'd have like 50 people register, but three people show up live and it's hard to really do that. But so that's what I was doing at first. And then at some point I went to an event and a friend who I met again, it was the first time we'd met in person and we sat next to each other at a, at a dinner and we just like started talking. And so we started working together and she said, I think you're making it too complicated. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't think people want the training. I think people want the templates. And so, so I went and I, I looked at my numbers and that year I'd spent like 95% of my time, my money, everything trying to sell this membership. And the membership was 35% of my revenue. The other 65% of my revenue was people who had just gone to my template shop and were just buying individual templates. And I said, hmm, okay, well, I guess she's right. And so then I, I, I'm just going to give that absolutely free to everybody. And the only thing I charge for now on the legal side are the templates. And I have individual templates. I have packs. I have a, an all-access pass. But yeah, so I've been, that has been my core product since, I guess it would be October of 2018. That's been kind of the core thing that I've sold are my legal templates. And I joke with people that nowadays, like it's one of those things that, I don't want to say it's recession-proof. That's not the right way to say it, but it's almost like marketing-proof. It's kind of like no matter what I do. I just have sales come in and, and I can put a lot of effort into it and sales come in or I can put not much effort into it and sales come in. We haven't yet cracked a way to really do a, a traditional marketing funnel that really, you know, kind of revs sales up, but it's fine because it, it's people are buying and it is a thriving multiple six figure business just on that without me having to do a lot of the high stress stuff. That's amazing. And I happen actually to have a client who is selling, wants, wants to sell a template. So you don't have a funnel for it. Basically, you just go out there, you're nice to people, you go on podcasts like this one, and then people hear about your templates? Yeah. Well, and so la last year, I would do what I called non-launch launches because I did a launch, I did a traditional webinar launch of my template library, which is my all-access pass. I did that the beginning of the year and it was fine. It worked well, but we were paying way too much to get leads in and all that. And so I presented to the mastermind mastermind and we talked about it and people were saying, I think a webinar is just putting something in the way. And so I started doing email only launches where I would basically send emails over a week and I still had limited card open at that point for my all access pass. And I was doing that and I would send emails, to make 50 grand, send emails, to make 50 grand. I was kind of like, did this like four or five times last year. And I was like, huh, well, that's a pretty good deal if that's literally all I have to do. But then we, we just kind of shifted. And now everything is evergreen. And we will do things like last week I was on vacation. And my team did a, a bundle sale where it was like, if you buy one of these core agreements, you'll also get some bonuses. And that brings money in. But for the most part, yeah, it's people find me. Maybe they're on my list for a while because they got their free privacy policy template from me. Or maybe they just find me some other way. They hear me talking about it and then they realize they need to get the legal templates and they buy from me. And the big kind of revelation we had on this is 
especially in this space, if I'm their first touch point from the legal perspective, I tend to be their legal guy. And so if I give them that privacy policy for free, which my competitors charge 300 bucks for normally, they get into my world and when they need to buy stuff, they're going to buy it from me. And so I treat it as a long game. Ah, so we wanted to talk about how emails play a part in this and that obviously you kind of touched on it already that when you're selling something that is, let's say, relatively low price, right? I mean, they, they range from, you know, individual templates range from 97 up to $247. Yeah, yeah. I would say well, this is in the lower price category. So yeah, like you said, it's not worth doing webinars because webinar signups are too expensive. You get them on the list, free private template. That's great. You know, every, people have to come up with their own amazing freebies. But you discovered something around emails that changed everything. Yeah. And it was this weird little thing that, and it's one of the themes I talk about a lot is that I seem to stumble into things, but I don't think I'm actually stumbling into things. But at that same event where the woman had that insight for me that I should just sell templates, um, she also told me, like I, there was a presentation about email and I said, yeah, I need to work on storytelling. And she said, what are you talking about? You've been doing nothing but tell me stories for the last three hours. And I, I was like, what are you talking about? Because all these little stories, they were just little tiny stories that I was telling. And she said, those are awesome. And so I started to basically shift what I did in my emails, my weekly emails, and you call them newsletters. I'm on a vendetta to get people to stop using that word because- <laughs> okay, sorry. No, no, it's, it's, it's okay because it's, it's a mindset thing. Because if you say newsletter, it makes you think of a traditional newsletter. Here's what's going on in my business. Here's my podcast. You know, and it's all about content. And the big shift I realized was that I needed to shift away from content and more to just telling stories. And what I tell people, so my business framework, I call it my fans framework, it's find, attract, nurture, and serve people. Well, once people are in your world, the content, like they already know it's there. Like, I don't know about you, but most of my podcast downloads aren't from people clicking on a link in an email. It's people who are subscribed but I still need to connect with them. And the purpose of that weekly email, I believe, is to nurture people from relatively cold leads into raving fans. And the quickest way to do that is let them get to know you. So I started telling these wacky stories. Literally, the first email that I made that was a shift to this, like before this, it had always been, my podcast this week is about X. Here's what you'll learn, blah, blah, blah. Boring, nobody liked them. The first email where I made the shift, the subject line was, in quotes, why are you sending me pictures of you with random women? And I told this story of I had taken a selfie this event and Porterfield is in the background photobombing me. And I thought it was funny. And I texted it to my wife, not realizing she doesn't know who Amy Porterfield is. Like, I mean, she knows of this person, but, you know, so she literally the next morning texts me back that, why are you sending me pictures of you with random women? And I sent that email, I told that story, and then I linked it into you need to have community of people who understand you, which was kind of the podcast topic for that week. And when I did that, for the first time, people responded to my emails and responded telling me this is hilarious. And literally, it was either that week or the next week, someone sent me an email saying, I've been on your list for a while. For the first time, I feel like you're a person, not a company. And for the first time, I want to do business with you. And so I really started leaning into that. So Basically, every single week now, I send a story of my life. And often, there are these little tiny tidbits that I can somehow link into whatever my podcast episode 
I would say three quarters of the email is the story. And only the last quarter is about the podcast with a couple of calls to action. But my point isn't to get clicks. It's to get people to respond. And now I get responses every single week. People view it almost like as an episode of Seinfeld. They're, they're getting a little something that will make them laugh for the week. And that is, you know, it keeps people coming back to my emails. So somebody listened to this and was like, oh, I have been sending out my podcast every week and, and you know, just telling people what's in the podcast. So they, listen, so they click on the link to the podcast and they're thinking like, oh, that was wrong. Well, it, it, it's not that it's wrong. It's just, and this is the thing I say, I say a lot of people I think are focusing on open rates and click rates. And one of the things I say is as long as you have like an open rate, that's like, not like just ridiculously low, I don't care what your open rate is because it tells me nothing about whether they're likely to buy from you or connected with you or anything like that. Because an open is like, eh. I mean, that, that's really what it is. I care more about are people clicking reply? Like my emails never ask people to click reply pretty much, but they always do. They have to tell me how the story that I told them, like connected with them. Like one of them, I told the story of a, a speech I gave in like speech and debate in high school. And this person like, and so many of these emails are start this way. I never respond to these, but I had to respond to this one. And in that case, it was a woman telling me she'd had to do that same wacky speaking event. And there was this level of connection. She felt connected to me because now there was something that we had in common. And to me, that's the power of email. That's the power of social media. That's the power of all of this is you can build those kind of available connections where people feel connected to you because they have something in common with you. And so my emails are everything from I'm talking about speech and debate. I sometimes share stories that aren't great. Like I shared a story about my father being in a plane crash and, and what I learned from that and the difficulties of that. But then sometimes they're wacky. I mean, I told a story of how when I was a prosecutor, I got a call from an agent asking me to authorize them to use deadly force, but it was all a prank. But I told this story and people are just like, you know, so people get to know me. And as a result, we all talk about it, like we need to build the know, like, and trust factor. And to me, telling those personal stories about you is the quickest way to do that. And, you know, like we said, if all we're doing is summarizing what's in our content, why do people want to read the email? They can already go get the content and that's what they're going to do. And so I think we need to make our emails into an event separate from our content. Now, I want to give a caveat. You still link to your content. You still tell people about it a little bit. That's just not the focus. Because, like I said, and it, I stumbled into it because I have a podcast and I know most of the people who are listening to my podcast are subscribed and they're not clicking on a link to go to my website to listen to the podcast. And so I think that was part of what made it easier for me. Mm. But how personal do you get? Oh, I get very personal. I share all kinds of things. I mean, my wife has kind of said that, that my daughter is off limits. So I don't talk about her. But also my brand style is to be funny and cheeky. So most of mine are funny, fun and happy. But I mean, I shared without a, a picture or anything, I shared that we got a, an email from my daughter's school one time that there was a confirmed case of lice in the class. And I used that as the story. I told the story, like I said, of my dad's plane crash. And that one has to date the highest positive reaction, but also the highest spam complaints of any email I've ever sent out. People just, that, that, that one they didn't like because I made them sad, I guess. But I found that that's also kind of a common theme. 
the emails that have the highest positive response that people love the most are also the ones that people who don't like me, they really dislike. So like I sent one of my now famous emails last year, Easter week, my email subject line was, I don't like sweet baby Jesus. But I immediately said, I'm talking about the beer, not the person. That was like the first line of the email because there's a beer here in the United States called Sweet Baby Jesus, which is an atrocity. But I do things like that. <laughs> and again, that's why I say people either love me, they love my sense of humor, they love the person that I am, or they can't handle me. And they get off my email list very quickly. And so, you know, I'm willing to share anything and everything. This is where the fact that I was selling legal stuff instead of marketing stuff up, up front helped. Because early on, I didn't mind sharing things that I had screwed up about business because I wasn't trying to, trying to teach people business. I was selling legal stuff. And the funny thing is now people who even back then told me those were their favorite episodes. Now they actually are buying my business advice, partly because they're like, you're actually real. You're telling me the stuff that, that's hard and the stuff that's going to get screwed up as well. And so I've shared all kinds of stories about things I've messed up, about things I've done right. But normally, they're kind of funny because I think generally people would rather feel good than feel bad. So that's the way I generally approach it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I once sent an email out that, you know, my dad has cancer. That was a subject line. I thought long and hard about, like, do I send that out? Uh, but I felt, and actually I was in the middle of a launch, which was, feels very inappropriate. But it was actually, he was in hospital and it was kind of hitting me that this is happening. And in that email, there was no link to buy anything, but it was in the middle of the launch. And a positive response, but one person wrote back and said, very inappropriate. I am expecting business emails. Right. And that's the thing. And some people aren't going to like it. So one of the things I've done now is, is we've recently redone my welcome sequence. When people get on my list... It's now 12 emails long. And the first email is saying, I think it says, buckle up, it's going to get weird. And I'm telling people right up front what to expect. And I say, and I literally in that email, I say, look, if you're not going to like this, go ahead and click the unsubscribe button. If cursing is going to, because I don't curse a ton, but I do some. Like if that's going to fit you, click the unsubscribe button now. What I've done is I've taken 10 emails that were essentially the, the highest engagement, positive and negative. And those are repurposed for the middle 10 emails. And so the point is, I'm getting people to know right from the get-go, this is what you're going to get when you're on my email list so that they know. Because, I mean, I think there's something to that, right? I mean, if people are expecting one thing and get something else, they're not going to like it. So I am setting the stage. And you don't have to be as wacky as me. You don't have to be as over the top as me in your emails. But I think setting the stage so people know what they're going to get is helpful. But again, I think what I like to come back to is, and this is something that people get in social media, but I think they don't get it in email. A lot of my friends who are Instagram gurus will tell me that their stories that are just random things about their life, those are the ones that people like the most. Like Coach Glitter talks about how her stories about celery juice are like the most popular she has, right? I mean, the love. And they're little tidbits about your life that, that I've just found that most people will react more to that than they will to the heavy content laden stuff. And so I think there is something there and, and we just need to get people to expect that and not expect that everything is going to be content heavy from the get-go. Mm. And how can, if you are doing a weekly podcast and you're sending out these lovely emails, everybody's going to go and subscribe now, of course, uh, where can you talk about your templates? 
So I do those separately. Like, so some of it is what I now have two podcast episodes a week and the Friday one is a shorter episode. And so what I'll tend to do is like once a month, I will have one of those episodes be about something legal. And so the call to action in that podcast will often be to go get the template or to go get something. But also we will do flash promotions is the way we actually get people often to buy from us rather than doing it in the weekly emails. And then we still have promos. So we have on my business side, my business side is a membership and we do a workshop the first week of every month. And we tend to do a promotion for a week before that, which is basically a $1 trial of the membership for 14 days. So they can actually get that workshop and see if they like it. So we will do a series of emails in addition to our weekly emails on top of that. I kind of think of promotional emails and my weekly emails as separate things. The weekly emails is really about building the connection. The promotion emails, that's where I'm actively trying to sell things to people for the most part. Mm. So so your long-term subscribers would know the difference. Also, maybe the time of the week as well when they can expect each. Yes. And the, here's the funny thing. <laughs> This is a, a, a funny thing that I, I get way less like am compliance, but with my list size, every, most emails I get one or two spam complaints, but I get more for my weekly emails than for my promo emails, which I, I still don't understand. I think it's because it's like what you said. I think people are like, wait, I thought you were going to be selling to me and selling to me is okay, but telling me a story isn't. And it's, it's so strange the way people act, but I think My list, people on my list understand on Tuesday, they're going to get an email from me, which is about my podcast. And normally on Friday, they are too, but then there's going to be other promos through the month. I love that. I love that. You know, and I think I made a, a similar discovery early on in my business. And I guess it's easy when you are already telling stories, you thought you weren't telling stories. What about people that think they're not a good storyteller? Is that just a limiting belief? Yeah. I think that people who believe they're not good storytellers, they are. They simply don't know the right kind of story. And I think part of it was a lot of people have the same concept, misconception I did, which is they think that a story has to be this grand epic thing. It's got to be like Lord of the Rings level of story. It doesn't. Most stories that I tell, I call them personal vignettes. They can be like something that happened that was like 15 seconds of my life that something, there's some lesson I can take from it. Or there are just these little things that happen through the day, through the week. And it takes some practice. But once you start focusing on that and really thinking about stories, and what I tell people early on is keep a story journal. Just keep a small little notebook. And you don't even have to write the story out. Just write like the topic or you know what, what the story is just so it jogs your memory maybe put some bullet points about what lessons or themes you could pick out of that that are related to the lessons and themes in your business. And so in my business, it could be about overwhelm because a lot of the people that I'm talking to are feeling overwhelmed. It could be about connection. It could be about all kinds of things like that. It could be about freedom and how I'm only able to do some of the things I can do because I'm not tied to a desk. And so all of those things now come naturally for me, but early on, keep a journal and just do it. But I mean, let me give you some examples of stories I've told. I mentioned the lie story. That was actually for a promo email. And the story was that I get this email from my kid's school that, that there's a confirmed case of lice in her class. And so that set me on this four hour going to the depths of the internet, trying to figure out how we're not going to get lice in my house. And then I could only do that 
here's kind of how I did the pivot was I could only do that because I have a scalable online business. And if you want to learn how to build one of those yourself, my friend over here has this webinar about building an online course. Maybe you should register for it. So that's kind of one pivot. Another one of my classic stories, this used to be the story that I told in pretty much all of my last call emails was I was walking around DC. I would get up early in the morning, go for a walk or a jog. And like at 6 a.m., I would see these people out dressed like they were going to the club. And I just couldn't understand it. And at some point, I mentioned it to my wife. And she rolled her eyes and said, they're doing the walk of shame, dummy. And so I tell that story. The hook is, and let's not have you doing the walk of shame because you missed out on this promotion. So go ahead and buy now. And so that's the kind of things I tell. I've also told the story about how like I forgot my dad's birthday one time as a reason to take action. Don't wait. I love it. And I love, I think you have made people so excited about subscribing to your email list. So my question is, how are they going to get into your funnel? <laughs> well, it depends on what they need. If they just want to get onto my email list, they can just go to my website at bobbyclink.com. They can get there. And I go against the conventional wisdom. Like now on my homepage, it's basically there's a spot to just get on my email list because so many people were asking but I also have a lot of freebies. I've got my free privacy policy if people need that legal template. And that's bobbyclink.com forward slash free privacy policy. I have a lot of different ways, but if you just go to bobbyclink.com, you'll find a lot of different ways. Yeah, we'll link that all up in the show notes. Every, every link you mentioned and uh, we'll make sure that you get access to all the freebies that Bobby has. So you are guaranteed to land on his email list and enjoy you know, you mentioned like, yeah, it's like an episode of Seinfeld every week, you know, Bobby Felt, Bobby Klink episode. Uh, and I think that's a fantastic way. I remember actually, I, I attended a strategy session with Gary Vee and uh, he was saying we're all a media company and uh, you should look at the content creation as series. So when you said that with your email, your email is a series, every promotion is a series, uh, your Facebook lives is a series, your podcast is a series, and your just email is, is one of those series. It's just a different way how you put it out there. Yeah, one of the more refined ways that I like to do that is I have kind of running themes. Like I mentioned that one of the things that people see in my emails is, and this is a reference to like an old US TV show, but I often appear like uh, Lieutenant Columbo from the Columbo series. And by that, I mean, a lot of times I appear to be stumbling into things and bumbling, but eventually people figure out, wait, you don't actually stumble into all this stuff constantly, but that's one of the running themes. And it used to be that my wife, because no pictures are allowed, she doesn't want pictures of her, but I would kind of use her as a standard character in my story. So my audience gets to know her. And now I do the same thing with my team. And so doing that builds these kind of through lines that people see. So they want to see what you're going to do from week to week. But each email stands alone, but still there are these kind of themes that people get over time. And if you can do that, that is the goal. Yeah. And I did watch Columbo. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they showed that on Icelandic TV. So, uh, or even maybe I saw it even in Germany synchronized. That's <laughs> Who knows? horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, keep them coming back because they want to know what's happening next. Yeah. And, and when you can do that, that is, that is gold. Uh, but it's also like having like little inside jokes for your longtime subscribers makes them feel like they're in the know also. So, you know, all those things are great and are gold. Mm. 
Everybody's getting on Bobby Kling's email list, that's for sure. Thank you for sharing all those wonderful stories. I think you gave people a lot of examples, especially the skeptics, those who think they are not storytellers. They got some ideas. And everyone, take advice from Bobby. Start to write stories in your emails and keep making people come back to read them so your open rates go up and you sell more. Thank you for coming on the show, Bobby. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been my pleasure and I look forward to entertaining more and, and any way I can serve, let me know. Go to the show notes at sig.com forward slash 383 to sign up for the next normal, a course and a panel happening from June 15th to June 19th. And of course, in the show notes, you'll also find all the links to Bobby Klink and how he creates relationship-based marketing. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle Sigrun.com and the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode and also in the course Next Normal. <laughs>